Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today, Patrick Spara. Patrick is an entrepreneur. And one thing that I'll mention that's interesting about his career, which has taken a lot of uh, turns, although there's two things that are common uh, throughout his entire career. And that is, one, he's been successful at many different things. But two, everything he's done has started with the letter R. (laughs) He started as a pharmacist, Rx. He was in radio sales and management. He's been in retail in-store marketing. He's been a real estate developer. And so listen and find out what he's going to do next. And let's hear a little bit about his very interesting career path. Patrick, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Matt, it's always great to be with you. I always like myself better when I am with you. You just bring the best out of people. Well, thanks for being so positive. Uh, Patrick, your career has really covered a lot of different bases that to the naked eye would seem not terribly related, but you've told me before how they're related in your mind. Um, And of course, you and I have talked about EPIC or the values of the Walton College, excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality. And I know that when we have talked about that, it seems like we've really connected on those values. So would you mind just kind of starting out a little bit about being an entrepreneur and kind of your your path? Sure, Matt. I I think it also, at least from my unique story, has to go back to high school, living with my father. So here I am, a 14-year-old ninth grader, living with a 40-year-old single father. This is 1968. So we're going through all the 60s, 68 through 72. Can think about the time, think about everything from you know Woodstock and political unrest, crazy economies. You know, it's an interesting time for a father and son to spend time together. I had to be responsible because he wasn't going to wake up and do my laundry and iron my clothes every day because he traveled a lot. But he was a loving father and a great example. And I watched him start his own company in his 40s, in his early 40s. So I observed an entrepreneur. And I always remembered him teaching me lessons about that. He would also remind me that the thing you're doing is just the thing you're doing, but who you are stays with you no matter what you're doing. I like to joke that I work for IBM. I'm in business for myself, IBM, and that I carry that with me no matter where I go. You just apply it to to whatever you're doing. So, you know, you have to go to college, right? I mean, at least in our, where I grew up, you know, let's, let's get up and go to college. You need to select a, a career. I was working in a pharmacy. Well, the owners of those pharmacies were, were great leaders and great inspirations and great mentors. And they taught me about caring for people and putting others first and being professional. So I went on to get a, to get a pharmacy degree by, by just watching those around me. You know, in pharmacy, much like uh, all things in medicine, is where does it hurt and how might I help you? Where is your opportunity? How can I help you realize your opportunity? Where is there an obstacle? How might I help you remove an obstacle? 
And if you think about it, that carries through no matter what you do, even in the role you have. You're asking everybody around you when you're 360, how can I help you? Either remove an obstacle or leverage an opportunity. So it started back there. One of my patients was in the radio business. He was in the broadcasting business. He also knew I had a, a love of marketing and media and creativity. He, he recognized that from all the times I took care of him from behind the counter. And he said, I'd like you to think about leaving pharmacy and getting into the radio business. And so uh, I left New York and went to Miami, Florida in my young 20s, the late, uh, late 70s, and started a career in radio. And then I realized, I'm not in radio. I'm in sales. <laughs> I'm, my job is to sell the commercials that go on the radio. I'm not in the actual radio, so I'm in sales. So, so just like back in medicine, you do a needs analysis. You do a, a, a diagnosis before a prescription. In medicine, a prescription without a diagnosis would be malpractice. So helping somebody with a solution to their marketing or media would almost be malpractice without a good customer needs analysis, right? That's what we would call it. And then when we launched our companies later on in uh, 1999 and also 2011, it was always in, in whose service will we be in? Who are we going to help? So the theme across all of it is as long as we're helping others achieve their goals, it will take care of us. The best way to get what you want in life is to help somebody else get what they want in life. And we always sort of pursued a higher purpose. Uh, when we launched New Creature in 99, which I know you'll get around to, said, why do we exist? We exist to help other people sell more stuff. And those are the people who are suppliers to Walmart and Walmart. How do we help them both sell more stuff? That's what they're, that's what they're trying to do. Of course, they want to sell more stuff. Their higher purpose was to help people live better, right? Uh, save money, live better was their higher purpose. And then when we launched Lamplighter Restorations, which built some beautiful homes and townhomes in, in a, right now downtown Bentonville, my partner and I said, what's our real purpose? We don't want to build homes, not about brick and mortar. Let's craft community. In fact, I owe that line to my partner. We're in the business of crafting community. So example, right now, if you go where the momentary is in downtown Bentonville, right there on 6th Street around Austin Bagot Park, you'll see some beautiful homes coming up. But reality is we're crafting a new community <clears throat> around an older neighborhood that had, you know, once just gotten old. We're just fortunate enough that there's a nice, nice momentary next to us. So we sort of enjoy the crafting of, of the community as the higher, higher purpose. But it's all helping, helping others is the theme. And then earning trust along the way so people will, trust you even as you move on to a new a new enterprise oh he was the guy who did x and he did it well with professionalism and excellence um, and he was very collegiate about it very very collaborative about it so maybe maybe we can trust him as he goes on to something new well i've seen some of the before and after pictures of your um properties <clears throat> in bentonville and Wow, you totally transformed those properties. Um, I'm sure there were a lot of people involved, but, uh, and, and I know that you say um, for Lamplighter Restorations, your tagline is crafting community. Um, and just looking at the photos, 
I can see how that would be the case with these. Would you mind speaking to that a little bit, crafting community? Yes, and, and as you said, it takes a lot of um, other people. I need to give some credit, actually a lot of credit, to my partner, Todd Renfro. He, he has a really good eye, and, and I have a fairly good eye too. His is really exceptional though. So we could pull up and see an old home or an old street or a park, and then we'll sort of look at each other and say, do you see it? And he goes, yeah, I see it. But he is the master of the day-to-day -day execution, the details of putting in uh, to, to not just the buildings, but everything from how you, when you drive up the street, it starts a block ahead of time. So that as you're pulling into that block on the way home at night, you say to yourself, I like me as I'm pulling into this neighborhood. So we go, how do we pull that off? How do we craft that community? Well, certainly one part is the physical, uh, the physicality of it. How does it look and feel and play out? But also it's how do we collaborate with those around us? For example, in our new community, there was an old restaurant in downtown Bentonville called The Station. And then he had to close that station down because he lost his lease and then got to a station in life where he didn't want to really keep it going. So we offered, can we buy the station from you and move it over into our neighborhood so that when people walk out the front door, they can get a hamburger, they can get a coffee. It's part of the neighborhood, that neighborhood store. And then after a year or two of trying to operate it ourselves with my partner, Todd, we then sold it to uh, Carl Garrett, a great guy in downtown Bentonville. You may know Carl. He launched Tavola. He launched Table Mesa, he launched Mirabella. So now we're collaborating with another community-minded entrepreneur. He's renamed it uh, Table at the Station, sort of keep some continuity. Um, and then right next door, even when the momentary was announced, now we, we started to work over there even before the craft factory was going to be announced as the momentary. We had no idea what the craft factory was gonna be. But the second it opened, they were gracious enough, uh, leaving, um, Bertels called, came on over. Uh, he's the director of the momentary. We spent a lot of time discussing the neighborhood. What can we do together to bring life into the neighborhood, to make it a, give it a sense of place? So all the players in that neighborhood are proactively reaching out to one another. We're not just a carpetbagger developer from out of town who's buying land, building a lot of houses, and chasing a dollar. And the money will land where it lands. If you do it well with professionalism and excellence, right? and the other two, and a little innovation, dose of uh, collegiality, it's going to all come together. The epic values are the ingredients that make it work. You know, over the course of your 45-year career, you've had lots of um, epic successes and experiences. But anyone who's succeeded as much as you have has faced some big challenges. Uh, a lot of times when we see people like you, it's easy for young people to look and say, wow, he has really had the life, just one success after another. But if you live to be over 30, you know that <laughs> life is just full of challenges that many times make you want to quit. Oh, definitely. And my other friends or colleagues who would be considered successful, when we sit around and speak to ourselves, 
we tend to think of every time we face planted ourselves <laughs> and think the mistakes we made, the zigs when we should have zagged, um, the calls, if we could redo the call again. So you don't have these epic successes without a number of epic failures along the way. And those could be a business failure where you invest in a certain space or a new direction uh, or a new unit of your business. And after you've put uh, 10,000, 100,000, a quarter of a million dollars, a half a million dollars into it and realize it's not going anywhere and you got to back out of it. You go, oh, that was an epic failure. What I, what I could have done with those resources. Um, and we always think about if we were to play it over, but there are no regrets. The epic failures though, that might be regretful, it's a different kind of failure, are those are the mistakes we made with people. Meaning maybe the way we treated an employee at one time or an associate at one time or a customer at one time. Maybe something we did or didn't do or said or didn't say. And we look back on those. And again, when my successful friends, if we're sitting around being transparent with one another, we go, you know, I really could have done better by person X 10 years ago who worked for me, giving them a better leg up or a word of encouragement. Or maybe I was too harsh on that particular person. So usually when we sit around and talk about the epic failures, they tend to be relationship oriented. But I think that's true in life too. When most yep. of us look back, you know, should I have taken that job? Yes, no. Should I, could I have done that job better? Sure. Should I have invested more in that? Sure. Should I have invested less in that? Sure. But when we really look back and go, you know, I could have, should have, would have uh, treated that other person in a more epic way, in a, in a more personal, intimate, passionate, understanding, empathetic way. You know? But sometimes the moment, the stress of the moment or the situation um, you know, robs us of our patience and our kindness and our discernment, you know, all the things we pray for now. But you're right, you're right. Along the way, you have uh, uh, strategic failures and business failures. Um, on the way to having many successful ones. And at the same time, you make so many wonderful, successful relationships too. Uh, colleagues and mentors that go to that collegiality part of Epic, making friends and connect connections way before LinkedIn or Facebook ever came on when we, when we just made friends and networked with each other and called one another like a good doctor would go down the hall and go for a second opinion. So... We have a lot of friends we go to for second opinions. I'm struggling with this and you triangulate. What might you two think? Or I'm succeeding with this. What do I need to look at? Where's a landmine I'm going to step on? Things are actually going well. What do I need to look out for? Working back in the pharmacy, I was at Spencer Pharmacy in little downtown Scarsdale, New York, very similar to being on the Bentonville Square. And, uh, and Spencer Pharmacy is on one side of the square. And there's another pharmacy diagonally on the other side of the square. You think they would be competitors, and I guess technically they are. But when one of us ran out of a bottle of penicillin, we'd call the other and say, I'm low on a bottle of penicillin. And one of us would walk over to the other and hand them a bottle and then say, hey, you owe me one when yours come in. And you're always back and forth. Or if one of our patients needed something uh, delivered, 
uh, and your truck or your car was already out on the road, you might call the person across the street and say, are you going by Mrs. Jones' house this afternoon? Actually, I'm going there in an hour. Would you please deliver the pink amoxicillin that I just shook up for her? Be happy to. So that was embedded in me at a very young age, and I've always tried to be that way. Uh, even today, we reach out to the fellow developers in Bentonville that all share the same dream, and we're, we help each other with resources and you know, I need a concrete man. I need a roofer. I need an electrician. I'm struggling with water. How can we both fix this street together? So, Patrick, one thing I'd like to talk to you about just briefly, you've, you've had tremendous experience. And what you're doing now with lamplighter restorations is really visible, right? There are some things you can do, for example, providing great customer service as a pharmacist, or doing a great job in radio sales and management. It's not really clear to everybody else what kind of you know service you're providing or what kind of epic delivery you're making. But when you are a real estate developer, like you are, with lamplighter restorations, you can physically see the impact. In some ways, that becomes a billboard, if you will, for your work. So I would imagine if you were to pivot into something else, that's something that's quite visible. Um, some of the great epic service you've delivered as a pharmacist decades ago is not as visible today, even though it provided the stepping stone to get to where you are. So if you were to pivot going forward, what might you do? You bring up some great points, and it's part of why we like the and enjoy the lamplighter restoration real estate because you can see your work feel it touch it smell it and then it'll still be standing five years from now 20 years from now 30 years from now my grandchildren will walk by that and go grandpa papio helped put that up right <laughs> that'll be fun but you're right how will they see maybe what we did in the past and then i'll leap to your future and your question when you go back to maybe the 15 years i spent at new creature from 99 to 14 what you really see is more like a, a teacher or a professor at the university sees. I would bet the professors at your university, the biggest reward they get is five, 10, 15 years later when one of their students writes them a letter or an email or a phone call and they say, Professor Matt, my life has been so good and been so transformed and it wouldn't have been this way if I hadn't spent that time with you or that time with you and your organization. Now, only you see that, and the world doesn't see that. But as George Bernard Shaw said, uh, I'm just a fellow traveler pointing the way. So in the past, what you saw was transformed lives. And the few that called you back or wrote you back and said, thank you for the leg up. Thank you for the education. Uh, I've done well. I've moved on. I'm a better professional. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better person for the five years I spent with you. So that, that's what we see in those other jobs. And, and by the way, even in Lamplighter, some of the joy isn't really coming from the building. It's the relationships we have with our, our subs. So we develop those relationships. So when we build the next house or townhome, they love working with us because of the, the nature of the relationship. Again, so moving forward, I would say, again, how whose lives would we be transforming on the next thing if ever we were to do it? You know, between you and I, just for the fun of it, I'd, I'd love to 
have a company that restores old 1970s sports cars, Alfa Romeos, BMWs, old Porsches. But I'd also be thinking in terms of whose lives would be transformed while we're doing it? What would be the higher purpose? So whatever that would be next, if there is a next, but you would that would be a fourth act in my life. I'm in my third act right now. Is there is there a fourth act? I, I hope there would be. So, Patrick, if you were to give advice for our graduating students, uh, advice for young professional entrepreneurs, what would it be? Well, earlier, I said to you, don't chase the dollar. Chase right. a higher purpose. Find a purpose that you're throwing yourself into and do it with epic values, professionalism, excellence, innovation, and collegiality, and it will lead to where it needs to go to. But the pearl of advice I'd probably give to these young entrepreneurs and students is choose your mentors well and be proactive about choosing a mentor. Well, some of them will come naturally, could be your father, could be a coach from high school, could be a professor from college, and then you have to nurture and develop those mentors. In a company, it might be somebody in the same company who's a few years further down the line, and they will guide you and lead you down. So that's somebody in the company. Then you might have a mentor that's in the business, but not in your company. So that's somebody you can talk to sometimes a little more uh, transparently. And then maybe the most important of those mentors is somebody that's not in your company and not even in your space a father, a professor from school, a coach, a pastor, or even a former boss from another space, because they'll tend to ask you more Socratic questions. They don't know your space that well. So they'll be trying to help you peel the onion back. What's the root cause of your problem? What are you worried about? What does success look like? You know, I agree with you. That That's a great method. How do you do it in a way that people don't feel like you're interrogating them. Yes, it's not the Spanish Inquisition. Um, well, you have to listen to them. If they, When they call you, they're calling you because they have something on their mind. Usually that's how it starts. They're calling you and they want to run something by you. And that might be a problem, could be an opportunity, or they could be sort of in mid-gear. They're sort of shifting in their mid-gear. The first thing is you just listen to them out. They'll give you five, 10, 20 minutes of it. And then you're listening for the for, for some triggers in there. And then you then you would say back to them, you know, John, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned you were struggling with X. Tell me more about that X and, and why is that really bothering you? So you're using what they gave you to help them. Or for example, they'll say, I'll give you one. I have this employee and they keep coming in late and it's bothering me. And I'll go, well, why does it bother you? You know, well, you know, people should be here at eight o'clock. And I'll go, what's wrong with being there at 815? And I'll go, is this person performing well? Oh yeah, this person's performing. It's my best performer, my most productive employee. And then I'll go, yes. And so what's wrong? Why is it bothering you? So you see, you, you sort of, take them through a, an algorithm of dissecting and getting to the root. And then they might say, well, really, it's not the person. It, it sets a bad example for others. Oh, okay. You think the others are being in, impacted by that? Yes, no. Now, this is all before 
the current flexible hours in Zoom. Nobody's checking in on that right now, are we? But they'll give it to you as they describe the problem or opportunity. They're going to give you the, the thing that you can ask the very next question on. So it doesn't sound like an inquisition. It just sounds like a conversation. It's back to that, where does it hurt and how might I help you? Well, Patrick, this has been excellent. And what great advice for our students. I hope all of our students take this advice. It's wise, it's needed. And thank you, Patrick, for taking time from your busy schedule of building a great community in Bentonville uh, to talk with me. I really appreciate it. Well, Matt, it's always good to chat with you. Iron always sharpens iron, and I know I'll have a better day for the time we spent together today. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C podcast, and now Be Epic. Be Epic.